In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England's own Van Helsink. And with me, maybe, is Richard. Richard, you there? Of course I'm here. You are. Can, you know, I always hold I my here, but only just I, I, my I go sprouting with that introduction, and then I, because you're never there like a minute before, so I know that you're actually going to be there, so that when I introduce you, you'll actually be able to say something. So, you know, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> with me, my very good friend from all the way across the pond, the ghost the general himself, Mr. Richard Felix. Whoopee! Thank you very much for that. There's something yeah. wrong with the phone lines. I don't know what it is, but it won't accept my call. So I've uh, I, I've panicked and I came screaming over to the computer and I'm now on Skype. But I'm here all the way from across the pond. There you go. So, uh, you know, it could be that, that uh, volcano that's kicking up in uh, Iceland, you know? <laughs> I don't know. I very much doubt it. I think it's something to do with um, the phone lines or something like that. But I, I don't think it's the volcano. Uh, but you never know. I tell you, what, I'm not planning on flying anywhere at the moment, just in case. Right now, uh, we have a great guest tonight. But uh, before oh, yeah. I get into that, uh, I have to do a shout out for uh, Nori. Now, Nori is working with uh, for, for the search. I mean, this is more you're not going to win, so I believe you know more about it than I do. It's yeah. it's for a, a, a young kid named Keith. Do you know anything about this, Richard? Oh, very much so. Yeah, I, I, I was working with Norrie uh, last year on, and it's, it's a, a, a lad called Keith Bennett that was, was Myra, murdered. Um, Myra, you heard of Myra Hindley, I presume? Have you the the uh, mass murderer who who uh, killed a lot of children, a lot of young young children? Um, God knows, getting on for forty years ago, and um, basically they buried them up on the moors. Uh, hence, they were called they were called the Moors murderers. You see, she had a, she had a boyfriend who was was doing it was doing the murders with her, and a lot of these children have, have never been found. Um, it, it's it's terrible. It's, it's an absolute crying shame. But yeah, I mean, there's a word that you use in America called closure, mm-hmm. um, which is such an important thing to to, to spirits. Basically, um, you know, uh, we it, it's a phrase I use as as you know frequently laid to rest. And, and, you know, how can anybody be at rest if, if their body has never been found, if they've been buried somewhere in a shallow grave on the cold, windy moorland with no Christian burial service? 
Um, right. And these kids basically need finding. Nor Norrie's doing a fantastic job, um, basically trying to create a, uh, an awareness of the fact that these kids still haven't been found, um, right. and doing her best to piece together the jigsaw puzzle to try and to try and find them, basically. Uh, right, she's, and, she's and I believe that she's doing a, a job. fundraiser tonight. And she needs, she needs all the help she, she can get, tell you. Right, she's doing a fundraiser tonight, I believe. Uh, and if you go to uh, searchingforkeith.com, I believe is the website, uh, you can probably get some more information on this. Anyways, yes. we have a, a great show for us tonight, and uh, we have somebody from your side of the pond once again. Uh, I, I believe you even know him, a gentleman by the of name I of... Do. I know Barry. His name's Barry John. He's, he's an extremely accomplished uh, uh, medium. We'll find out more about it. I've, I've worked with Barry on, on quite a few occasions, and, um, you know, he, he has a lot of... I have a lot of respect for him. Um, and I wonder if you're there, Barry, are you? I'm here. How are you, Richard? Hello. I'm extremely well. Extremely well. Are you? It's wonderful to hear from you after all this time. That's <laughs> very good, thank it's a, you. It's been a while. It's been a while it since has. we've actually worked together, isn't it? It has. I mean, the last time we worked together was, I think, down at Fort Amherst, wasn't it? Oh, good Lord. I'd forgotten that one. Yes. Yes, yeah. indeed. That, that wasn't actually that long ago. It was, was it, um, was it before? Uh, February. February time. February. Oh, it was. Oh, yeah, listen, there's so much. <laughs> oh, so, listen, when you get to my age, I'm afraid. The mine is the first to go. I beg your pardon? The mine is the first to go, so they say. You've got it in one, sir. And you and I both know that, don't we? <laughs> oh, we do. We do. <laughs> Just it's great to be here anyway. It's great. And nice it's great to talk to you, Richard, and obviously to be nice to be on the show as well. Exactly. We, I mean, you know, I, I, I don't know how many listeners we get, Ron, but uh, uh, I seem to get a lot of response from it, um, as I'm sure you do. Yes, uh, it, you know, it's hard to tell for us because we, we, our show originates on TojiNet. It's picked up by Pararex, goes channel in a couple other stations, and of course, again, it's I, uh, archived on uh, iTunes, and it's doing quite well on iTunes as well, so uh, that's rather cool. But anyways, uh, Barry, uh, are you anywhere near where these murders took place? Um, I'm about an hour away from where the murders took place, and uh, I have visited them. Um with Norrie and obviously the rest of the team. Um, one of the things I have to say is that it is such a spooky place up there. It really does hold this wealth of emotion. Um, and I'm, I'm behind the, the appeal fully. You know, I want to help find Keith Bennett. I want to help find the rest. I want to help raise funds for the appeal. Um, you know, it's, it's something that we really do genuinely care about. Now, Very much so. The, uh, this, when did this occur, these murders? When did they... I mean, we're, we're a little bit in the dark over here on the, on the state side. It, it occurred in, in about the mid-60s sort of period when um, most of them took place. Um, excuse me, and obviously some of the bodies we know definitely haven't been found. They've not been traced. Um, you know, whether there's information there, you know, it's difficult to, to fathom that information out. But um, you're going back to 60 the 1960s period so you're talking 50 50 odd years ago basically 60 years ago around that sort of period you, you know it's really interesting uh, a lot of people ask me you know when you go over to england you know where, where do you want to go what, what do you want to do you know and everybody thinks well castles or or you know the old abbeys or whatever and to me it's always been the moors for some reason i've been attracted to the moors uh, i have no clue why but uh, who knows where my fate will lead me 
it, it, it's one of those places that I, und- I totally understand what you're saying because it's one of those places that really does cl- call you back time and time again. And every time I've been up there, the emotion really does pull at your heartstrings very deeply. Um, and especially when you go to some of the locations where there's been the graves, where bodies have been found. Um, and, you know, you look at the, the vicinity of, the, of where it's actually occurred. And, I mean, it literally is, we're talking 100 yards, 200 yards for some of the graves, but all being linked to one another. Wow, that's, that's unreal. So they have recovered some of the bodies then, right? Sorry, no, they, they've not recovered some of the bodies, no. Oh, they, they, well, they Originally they did, yeah. I mean, you know, one or two were found uh, at the yeah. time. Um, but there's, there's, you see, it's such a vast area, Ron. That's, that's the thing that, I mean, obviously, <laughs> compared, to, compared to America, we're talking of, of, of something very tiny. Uh, but but for, 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 for Great Britain, we're talking of a huge, huge area of, of extremely yeah. um, barren, um, I, I, the word even aggressive moorland, um, and and you, you walk for miles and miles and miles and miles and miles and see, see not see a house, not see um, anybody at all, and, and and literally it's you know it's almost impossible to to find where these where these bodies are. Although I must be honest with you, we do believe that quite a few of them are buried, probably not not too far uh, fr- from the road. To be honest with you, but you see, it's it's there's something about it up there, Rob. Um, and I'm sure Barry will agree with me. That, you know, that it's it's an energy thing. Um, there are standing stones, stone circles, uh, you know, like Stonehenge and that sort of stuff, but on a, on a smaller scale. Um, the, the the amount of probably people that have been buried up there over the years, because it's, it's an ideal place to to someone that you had murdered or whatever. It's you know, do you take them up there and bury them? They're they're, they're lost. Forever. Yeah. Plus the fact we had all the old the mills um, in the dark satanic mills, as we called them, in the 18th and 19th centuries. Lots of the children that that died um, from you know accidents in the mills were just literally taken away and, and buried on the moors. You know, we're, we're talking as, as as Barry quite rightly says, an extremely spooky um, mm. place f- full of well, earth energies basically. Um, and, and we we need to get to the bottom if we can of, of not only where Keith Bennett is, but of of some of the other people that again are waiting for closure. Now, now, Barry, you mentioned that you worked on on the team for that. What type of team are we talking about? Um, I'm, I've been working with Norrie, obviously on the fundraising for the appeal to raise funds, so we can actually go out there and start investigating. We can start searching areas. We can actually bring in other people to help us out at the same time. Um, and that's what I want to do. I want to support it from the background with the appeal. And there is support to Norrie, but also to Winnie and the rest of the team. Um, I'm not working on that case as a medium. It's not what I've been asked to do. Um, however, one of the things I would say is like, it's like Richard's pointed out, and I said earlier, the location really does. It, it's so much energy up there, you know, and, and it, is, it is vast, vast amounts of barren land where there is no properties, there's, there's no um, habitation there. It really is just areas and areas of rocks and stone and hillside, um, and it really does touch you. So what I want to do is help raise funds so we can buy more equipment, we can get more searches done, um, you know, and we can get up there and start you know, seeing what we can find on a professional basis and an experiment basis. That's pretty cool, and I... I mean, you're a medium, and you said you have been in the area. Can you sense that they are there, and, and do you sense if, if they 
they will be found, or are they, or are they in a position where they you think they'll never be found? Or I mean, that's kind of what it's it's a, it's a fantastic question. It really is, Ron, and, and something that people have asked me on local um, papers, newspapers, articles, etc. Because when you get up onto the moors, the energy really is overpowering for me. It's you come away from there, and all you want to do is sit down and release this emotion because. You know, I, you do feel this energy. You feel that there are people there wanting to be found, that there are people there that are wanting some sort of help still. Um, but as Richard pointed out, you know, one of the things we have to remember is the late 1800s. We know that there was graves up there for children who worked in the mills. Um, you know, and how many people do we know are up there? We don't really, because when we start going back to the 1800s, there were probably very few records that was actually kept off children up there. That's that's very true, Barry. I mean, one one yeah. of the things, Ron, that I don't know whether you probably quite understand, but I mean, in the we're talking of the sort of anything from the seventeen seventeen twenties onwards in England, we we were actually importing, for want of a better word, children from London that you, that were in the what was known as the workhouse. You know, these these were orphans, uh, thousands and thousands of, of un, unwanted children that were in the workhouses in, in, in London and the big cities, and they were promised um, the most wonderful life in the, in the, the, the Derbyshire and, and, and Yorkshire um, hills, uh, the countryside, working in these wonderful new mills, that, you know, the factories, uh, in, in fact. Um, they were totally and utterly hoodwinked into believing that they were going to much greener pastures. And when they, when they arrived at the mills, they were beaten and, and, and tortured. They, they would work from, from five o'clock in the morning till seven o'clock at night, six days a week, fed on, on things like what were called Derbyshire oat cakes, which was um, not, not the, the most substantial food that you could get. And, and hundreds and hundreds of them died without any record of them ever existing at all. Um, wouldn't even get a, a, a decent burial, to be quite honest with you. Um, and were Buried upon the moors. Uh, Barry, question for you. You, you. you know the fact that there are probably so many, for want of a better word, tormented souls still still around on the moors. Does that would that cloud the issue for you as to sort of trying to get through to one one child like? Oh, Bennett? very much. Yeah, very much so, Richard. And and that is one of the problems up there is that you just get this overwhelming feel of so many people trying to link in and connect. Mm. Um, that it really does stop you because you don't know which one you're trying to pick up on. And it's, it's this, it's like you say, it's this crying out of lost souls to, to be found, to be wanted, to be needed back with a family. Um, and yeah. it's something that really does touch my emotions. And, and to be honest, the times I've been up there, you have to switch off from it. You have to turn off from it because otherwise you end up coming away with this wealth of emotion that you've got to deal with. Um, I, 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 you know, I would love to say that, you know, we look at six months' time, we look at a year's time, and I'd love to say, you know, okay. I'd love to say that we start to reflect something. All right. Is yeah. Still there? Hello? Are you still there? I guess that's interesting, isn't it? Okay, I've got a very high pitched, high pitched squeal on mine. Okay, that's better. That's a bit paranormal, that is. 
It must be somebody trying to link it with me, isn't it, Richard? I'm guessing that's that's Goodness the sort of effect no, I normally have. Yeah, that was quite amazing. I don't have a clue what that was. I mean, obviously, we can put it down to static or whatever you want, but that was really quite strange. Quite strange. And the amazing thing is, Ron, that I mean, about, like Barry, he's, he's he's about an hour away. I'm actually even closer to to uh, uh, to the because you live in Nottinghamshire, don't you, Barry? I do. Yeah, I'm North Nottinghamshire. Yeah, you know, I'm actually I'm in Derbyshire. Uh, I, I can I can actually see from my from my farmhouse. I can just see the start of of the Peak District and the Moorlands from my place. So I'm I'm extremely close uh, to where some of these things happen. Would you believe? Oh well, you are you are listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Richard Felix and Ron Cork. Our very special guest is Barry John. His website is www.barryjohn.com, and we're talking a little bit about the Moors and the murders that actually took place here in the body. You know, because, Richard, you brought that interesting subject up. That how do you discern uh, from the different spirits or, or that are buried there? I mean, because I'm sure there, besides the children, there are uh, tons of other people who uh, Mrs. died uh, Mrs. Yeah, mysteriously or uh, just uh, accidentally in the moors. Yeah, you see, what one of the things is that, that a lot of the area where where we believe Keith Bennett to be very close to to Manchester, which is an extremely extremely large city, uh, and of course the, the the number of gangland murders that have taken place over the well, you tell me how long um, in you know in Manchester, it, it's very very convenient area to bundle a body into the boot of your car and. and and nip up, nip up, literally to the um, uh, to the moors, and, and bury them. So goodness only knows how many um, bodies there are um, up there. No, nobody, nobody will ever know. But you see, I, I liken it a little bit to to like giving. It's a bit like Barry giving out his his, his personal mobile phone number. You know, I, I, you, before you know it, there'll be so many people ringing through that it will it will. Um, what's the word? Block the signal, if you like. You know, it'll be engaged yeah. all the time. And I presume that yeah, is no. that something like it is. <clears throat> it is, yeah, it is, Richard. And, and you're right because, <clears throat> like we say, that the moorland is so vast that you don't know what other bodies have been there. You know, remembering that the times I've been up there, do you know what? I've never seen a soul actually drive through at times. Um, mm. You know, if if somebody actually collapsed while they were walking, or somebody was. Like you say, another body was dumped up there from the gangland murders in Manchester. You, yeah. you just wouldn't know where to pinpoint it. And there's no markers at all because it is literally just, you know, barren, barren land. Um, mm. And it's this barrier that blocks you, like you say, all of a sudden, because you, you're not sure where you're linking in. You're not sure what link you're picking up. You're not sure what age you're picking up. We're not sure mm. what sort of year we're picking up, you know. And there's so many bits there all at the same time that you're trying to unravel that you do get pulled from, from one side to the other all the time because all these people are there saying, you know, we want some help, we want to be found, we want to go back. Um, mm. And it's just finding out where they are. So it, it is a very spooky place. Uh, I know, Barry, that you do paranormal investigating as well. So is it the same way when you go into a, like a haunted house or haunted castle or a haunted establishment of any type? Are there layers? Are there different people from different times? periods and, and some of them not even know that each of them exist yeah very true very true because you've got this mass crossover i mean we're talking probably somewhere in the region over 100 150 years 200 years in some cases depending what you know what was there originally 
Um, <clears throat> and it's exactly the same as, excuse me, as you say with a paranormal investigation. You've got to find what barrier you're working on and what level you're working on. Um, you know, is it is it the links from the 1960s we're picking up, or is it links from the 1850s we're picking up? That's where we we're not sure at the moment in time. Um, and as we say, you know, the landscape has changed so so much up there over years. Roads have been put in. You know, um, it's it really has changed. That even. Um, reflecting on what people have said on witness statements, etc., things are so different to what they were originally. So we do have to look at that. We have to look at the physical, but also as we're looking at the physical, we're looking at the you know the, the paranormal area at the same time to say right, okay, which one ties up with which? And I'm sure you can imagine that um, when we first announced that you know the the Keith Bennett appeal that I was getting involved, the amount of emails that we've had from mediums from psychics from people who say we've had a message we've had this message we've been up on the moors and we know that people have been traveling all around the moors and moorlands over the past probably 40 50 years to actually try and identify where these bodies were and where they were buried so you know we've got loads of different stories and it's finding one common factor really where we say yeah okay we've got that line that follows through now um but as you can imagine it, you've got thousands and thousands of mediums, psychics out there sending this information in, and it's saying, well, which one's right and which ones are wrong? But in, in, in some cases, it's not necessarily right or wrong. They just may be picking up on different uh, angles, different spirits, <clears throat> different locations. But Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Ron, in, interesting one, what, what you just said about, you know, when Barry goes to a, a castle or a house or, or wherever it is that's haunted. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, these are my, my thoughts and my theories, as you probably know. Um, there may well be in a castle or something like that, there may, or there may well be four ghosts, five ghosts, seven ghosts over a period. Because, as you know, I, I believe there has to be a reason why there's a ghost. In, in other words, you know, there probably 8,000 8, people uh, have been involved in, in, in that castle since it was been built. But for some reason, there's only like four ghosts <laughs> that are still there because of the nature of their death. Now, that's not going yeah. to be as difficult for a medium, I would think, to pick up or to differentiate between the spirits as it is to a vast area of, of probably hundreds and hundreds of, of spirits that have all that are still around on the moors because of the nature of their deaths and the fact that they're looking for closure. In fact, they haven't moved on, as most spirits do. So, you know, this is what I think makes it even more of a daunting task to actually try and find the spirit of one person or, or however many children were murdered by, by, by Mara Hindley and her accomplice. It, it just makes it so much more difficult, I would think. You know, it, I it does, talk- because like, it, it, it's true, Richard, because like you say, when we go to old buildings, we go to castles, there's always been this mass impact of energy. There's always been this, as I always say, this energy burst of you know, it's either been a mass, uh, you know, something in terms of a mass battle or it's been something very, very significant that sparked that energy to stay where it is. Um, And like you say, when we talk about ghosts, we talk about spirits, which we've had this conversation many times, understanding understanding the difference, because people don't always understand the difference between a ghost and a spirit and why, you know, why ghosts are always there, but we can't communicate with them. Um, and remembering that, you know, when we're up on the moors, we are communicating, you know, 99% of the time with spirit. We're getting oh, right. information, we're getting yeah. knowledge, we're getting some form of communication. Whereas in an old castle, for instance, 
what we're picking up on a lot of the time is is the energy of a ghost. We're picking up that there's been uh, a recording, yeah, a recording of energy there that's lasted and it still remains. Yeah, whereas, you know, we're, we're talking on the moors of, as I say, tormented souls, whatever, for whatever reason, are still there, an intelligence of something that yeah. is actually trying, trying to get in touch, to move on. And, and, and what we're saying is they're all clamouring at the same, you know, in other words, will you all stop shouting at the same time? Because we can't make head and tail of who you are. Yeah. I actually have a question from the uh, Parax chat room from uh, Ceiling Cat, uh, Chatter Union International. But she asks, has anyone used pen ground penetrating radar or, or bio-sniffing dogs uh, for, for searching the bodies? Feel like the hounds <laughs> or the ground penning radar. Is this something for you, Harry? It is, yeah. I mean, it's something that I can I can work on with that. To be honest, um, yes, um, it has been uh, discussed. Yes, it's been worked with. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. They um, are, are looking to get more sniffer dogs up there to see exactly what the dogs can find. Um, but what we want to find is some actual proof. We want to know that yes, they are actually picking something up. Um, what we what we are bothered about is obviously any misleads that are placed there, or any misleads also that the animals find. Um, I know recently we uh, it's been invested into equipment in terms of um, like sonar equipment to actually see um, if we can get more detail about it, if we can look at land levels or um, you know landscape that sort of thing to see what it can pick up underneath. And I have to comment too because we are actually working on a, a case here. It's a thirty year old case where a body uh, may have been cut and dumped up into a pond, a small pond. Now, we've used uh, Homeland Security subs and dive teams to try to find this, uh, but we haven't been able to recover it. There are some times there, the circumstances, the environmental factors are, are so great, it makes it even uh, difficult for our best our, um, our best uh, scientific equipment to, to even uh, find them. Don't you find that's true as well? Yeah, yeah, very much so. I mean, it's it's like you say, trying to find, you know, I, I mean, how long ago was that? Can I ask? Can I ask that question? Uh, Thirty years ago was the, was the uh, the murder and the body. We we I, I work with a, with a uh, medium myself, and yeah. uh, we've had a, a couple other mediums that we tried as well, and we have found what we believe is the location, and, and, but we still haven't, because on the bottom of the pond, which is just a small pond, the, the muck in there is uh, probably four feet thick, so it makes it difficult even for a sub or a diver to find yeah. much of anything, especially a decomposed corpse after 30 years. Exactly, yeah, because it's been buried, it's been covered over, there's been landslides, etc., underneath, or mudslides, should we say, and that's one of the problems that we're finding on the moors is that, you know, we know that the landscape has changed so much. And the only difference is that obviously you're working underneath the, the, the water, we're working above it, um, you know, and it, it really is vast. I mean, trees have grown. You can imagine it. Shrubs have just took over up there. Right. And, to, and to understand the layout of the moors um, really is difficult. I suppose really the only way for me to say imagine the layout is you imagine something like the Sahara Desert. And all you've got is this vast, vast, you know, all you can see is, is land after land after land. Um, okay. And there's not really anything to pinpoint locations or to say, yeah, that, that was a specific one, that was, that was, that was. 
Okay, we will have to hold that thought because we have to take a break right now. You are listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Richard Felix and Ron Kolick on TojiNet and Pararex. We'll be right back after the following messages. Welcome to TojiNet, radio with a cutting edge. and unstoppable Frankie Picasso. Thursdays at 8, 7 Central, part of the Her Insight Network. These no-bull relationship gals will steer you on the right path and help you get your head out of your ass and find love that lasts. It's the Love Wrangler Show. This is not your ordinary relationship show. These ladies set out each time to strip away the excuses women often bury themselves under and get them to face their demons head on. Frankie Picasso and Kelly Wallace are experienced relationship coaches. Their goal is to help women wake up out of their stupor, face their present, learn from their past, and create a future, especially in the area of love. For more information, go to theloverangers.com. Knowledge is power, and they won't rest until they've taught every dissatisfied female how to create the love she's always dreamed of with her partner and herself. So be here for the Love Wranglers with Kelly Wallace and the unstoppable Frankie Picasso. Thursday night today, 7 Central, part of the Her Insight Network on toginet.com. We are back. You are listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Richard Felix and Ron Kolick on Pararex, Toginet, Ghost Channel, and beyond. Anybody wants to join us in the chat room, they can go into the Toginet chat room or the Pararex chat room if you have any questions for us. Uh, also, I just do want to mention before I forget, we are having a paranormal study group tonight at the Circles of Wisdom in Andover, and we have Mike Marquardt's. Uh, doing EVPs and how to collect them and analyze them and so forth. So that's going to be kind of cool. That's at the Circles of Wisdom in Andover. And anyways, one more thing. I talked to you, Richard, but uh, you know I get stung by a yellow jacket in the knee. I know you got stung by a yellow jacket. And I am like total, total pain. So if there are any doctors and nurses out there, go into the Toji Nut chat room and tell me what I should do before I kill over and die here. Uh, oh, that's Listen, you'll be all right. You'll manage, I'm sure. Listen, here's something that, that, that's quite interesting that Barry was just saying about we're talking of, absolutely right, like like the Sahara Desert, um, you know, a sea, continuous, um, very few landmarks and everything else. And something else that's actually added to the number of spirits that are still around there is that on that area of, of the Peak District, there are at least 60 crashed Second World War aeroplanes. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, that came down literally in the fog, in inhospitable weather, came down lower to have a look, see where they were, and hit one of the peaks. And yeah, actually, the, you know, that's in one of my bo- my new book that's coming out in September. We talk about uh, uh, one of the planes there where the ghosts of the plane and, and the phantom plane itself could be seen at times. Absolutely right. 
and the number of, of, of hauntings that there are up there as well. Because again, you see, we're talking of all these poor young, you know, airmen, 18 years of age and all, many of them Americans. Um, there's, there's, a, there's a flying fortress up there, a B-17, uh, a B-24 Liberator, um, a B-29 Super Fortress, um, all crashed up there and, and all of the crews were killed and, and of course, literally blown to pieces. Um, no burial, um, no closure, bodies uh, blown to bits. Um, and you know my thoughts on you know battlefields and that sort of. Hence the fact there are so their ghosts or their spirits, I should say, again are still up there, um, crying out for help like all the other poor people are. Which, and, but again, isn't it strange that so many? It's almost like England's Bermuda Triangle, Ron. Mm, absolutely. Maybe that's what's drawing. Anyways, we are talking with uh, Medium uh, Barry John, and his website is www.barryjohn.com. And Richard and, and Barry, you guys have actually worked together in the past? God, yeah. Just a bit, haven't yeah. we, Barry? Oh, gosh, yeah. I mean, um, I think the first time I worked with Richard it was, it was the late 90s, to be honest. So yep. it really has. It's been a long, long time, hasn't it, Richard, that we've worked yes, together? We've done quite a bit at a most amazing place in, in Nottingham uh, called the yeah. Galleries of Justice, which yeah, is the old, yeah. the old county courts and prison. Go on, tell us a bit about that, Barry. Oh, gosh, yeah. I mean, you're talking of a place there that dates back to the, to the 1300s, 1200s, 1300s. It was Robin the Hood, original... Robin Hood. Yeah. Yeah, it was the original, uh, you know, um, Shire Courts, wasn't it, where it was all, you know, the legal battles. It was there to control two areas. Um, and it's, it's a place that is full of so much history. I mean, people love it in terms of paranormal. It really is a place that people want to investigate. And I don't think I've ever had an event there that hasn't sold out because people want to get in so much and investigate this one night. I remember me and Richard did one one night, Richard, and it must have been six or seven years ago. And we did a, a midweek event, and I think we had something like 500 people through the door in one night, wasn't yeah. it, if I remember? That's absolutely it, right. It's, it's so vast, but what is nice there is that what you actually visit is a, is a, a, court, a court of law that dates back to the 1200s to a place that was actually officially used last in 19, I think it was 1985, 1986. So it really does both this question of, you know, how many years we're talking, what exactly is there, what, what, is, what is exactly spooky and everything. It's, it's, it's brilliant. I love the place and I yes, love the, 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 the courtrooms there because people really get this feeling that there is, there is something else there, you know, and that's what we've got to investigate. You know, we want to know that something's there. We want paranormal activity. We want to know that things are going to spook us, um, but also that spirits are going to come forward and then actually prove a presence. Do, do we know who haunts this area? Oh. Again, we're talking of a place that's probably got a thousand years worth of goo, ghoul, you know, ghosts, spooks, ghouls and goblins. Um, you know, there's some very well-known characters there, a lot of them being the original criminals who were held there. Um, they was executed there on the front steps, and then later it was taken into the courtyard round the back. Um, you know, and there's some very famous cases that have happened there. I mean, some of the recent cases there were during the 1970s when um, there was a big IRA case there. Um, and in some of the cells, this still, um, it's actually cleaning cupboards now, but that's where the IRA was held. And this is what people love to see. They love to investigate that. This is this Glamour's Castle, you said? No. No, Galleries this is of Justice. Okay. 
Uh, okay, we do have a question, but uh, I'll bring that up a little later after we finish with this. I'm sorry about that. Someone actually asked a question about Gamma's Castle. So that's oh, kind of right. cool. Yeah, no, that's, that's in Scotland. That's where um, the, Queen's, the Queen Mother um, used to live for quite a long time up there and, and used to holiday up there. That's, funnily enough, if you want me to answer the question, extremely haunted place. Okay, before before we all right. Well, well, since we brought, I'm sorry. Uh, this was also brought up in the chat room, and, the, and they ask about uh, has any investigation uh, been done there, and have they found anything buried in the walls? And they actually gave me a, a remedy for a, a yellow jackets thing as well. But so <laughs> <laughs> you can often get it done quick, Ron, and we'll keep talking if you like. <laughs> well, are, are we talking about a, a, a investigation? You mean at Glam's Castle? Yes, exactly. I'm sorry to switch subjects there, and, and I do want to go back oh, to Yellow. We're very adaptable, aren't we, Barry? We are, yeah, very much so. I mean, it's the place that I've always wanted to do, Richard, but I've never done it. Um, and, I, you know, that's the nice thing with England, though, isn't it? We've got so much history in terms of castles, in terms of old stately homes, that, you know, there is so much history there. And I think what we've got to look at, we're not just talking of a couple of hundred years in some of these places. We're talking of places that have got you know, a thousand years worth of history. That could be anything from a battle to mass murders to, um, you know, actually official things happening there, such as signing of official documents, etc. Um, and I so think that's what I love. Yeah, yeah, it is. And that's what I love about it. You know, it really has got this, this, I know I keep saying it, this spookiness about it, but that's what I love about some of these old buildings. I mean, people love it. You know, one of my speeches I always do at the beginning, the first thing I always say to people on my events is, um, I don't know why I'm a ghost hunter, because I'm scared of the dark. And they all look at me as if to say, well, why do you do it? And I think, well, I don't know why I do it, but there's something about it I want to prove to people. You know, I want, I want skeptics to come on our events or on my events and actually go away thinking, okay, I didn't believe... However, what that's now done is it's shown me that there is another side to it. It's shown me that there is a spookiness about it that I want to investigate more and more and more. Um, and I remember falling into ghost hunts accidentally, really, many years ago, about 15 years ago. Never, never really interested me, to be honest. But then I got hooked on it because what I want to do, and same as you, Richard, we want to prove that there is something what to people. We want to, yeah, we want to prove that this history that we all know about really does still live. It still carries on. We can still link into it in some form or way. Um, and that's why I love it when we get, you know, what we call um, ghost hunting virgins or we call them the skeptics on events because we want them to come along, don't we, and go away thinking, okay, I didn't believe in any of that to start off with. However, how could they have known that information? Where did that information come from for somebody to be able to pass that information on? That's right. That's right. Fascinating. It's going back to Glam's. Obviously, it's it's pronounced Glam's. G L A M I S. Ron. It's in Scotland. Uh, and and I, I'm not saying there haven't been any paranormal investigations, but the problem we've got with it is that it's a royal property, and so in other words, it it belongs. I believe it still belongs to the royal family. Uh, it was a favourite place, and, and of course, the Queen Mother, I believe, was 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 born there. But there is a curse to do with the place. And there's a there's a room. I mean, we're talking of a huge Scottish castle with with hundreds of windows, and there was always this story about it not having of there being one extra window that nobody knew. Where they thought that something happened, a murder probably took place in the room, and it was sealed off. And so one day they actually took hundreds of towels 
and hung a towel out of every window. And when they went and looked outside at the castle, there was still a window without a towel hanging from the windowsill. Oh, wow. Secret, secret. <laughs> they've still, and apparently they've never found it. So it, it's <coughs> right for investigation, but I don't think we can do it because it's royal. And, and that also goes to things such as the National Trust, doesn't it, and English Heritage, yes. Richard, in that they are very, <coughs> excuse me, they're very protective over their residences. You know, they don't want people going in and causing problems, causing damage. Um, and remembering, you know, that, you know, we do, we do look at this professionally. You know, we, we are what we class professional ghost hunters. The last thing we do is run around, screaming around the place. We go yeah. in there professional. We go in there with proper equipment. You know, we do sit, we respect what's around us as well, because what is nice for people, and such as you say, Richard, I, I would love to go to Grant's Castle because it's one of those places that's always touched my heart. Um, but what we want to show people is it's very different when you can actually do an investigation because there are locations where you can actually go and investigate that in the daytime aren't open to the public. That's right. Absolutely right. Yeah. Um, and that's the beauty of a place like that. I mean, I, I think you can, I think, and I'm not sure, that you can actually go for a tour. You know, I, I believe Glam's Castle is open uh, to the public, I think, but I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. But it's, it's as I say, taboo. It, it's, I don't think you're allowed to uh, investigate. It's a bit like the Tower of London, of course. We're not allowed mm -hmm. to uh, go in there, and yet that's the most, probably the most haunted place in the world. I actually have a question. Now, when you guys work together, I mean... Barry, you're a medium, uh, and, and uh, Richard, you're a, a historian. Uh, how did you guys actually work together? Well, what's good to me, I mean, what's great, I love working with Richard because, number one, we both have a sense of humour, which I think has got to make an event to start. You've got to have in this business. Yeah, but what we also have is, as much as Richard's an historian and I'm a medium, do you know what, we do have very similar views about the paranormal market, you know, we do both still go in there on a, a very sort of sceptical level as well as a professional level to say, well, just a minute, okay, well, if we are picking this up or this information, is that correct or is there, is there a reason this is happening to us? And, and I, as I say, I love working with Richard because we are both very honest with each other and we will turn around and not argue with each other, but we'll actually look at things in detail and say, is that true? Is that correct? Absolutely. Or is yeah. that really paranormal? Yeah, or, yeah. or is there another explanation for it? Which, again, is you have, Barry, Barry will agree with me on this. As, as I've said to you frequently, Ron, you must tick the normal boxes before you even consider paranormal. Okay. And, th now, and that's, I, what, that's what a lot of people don't do, though, Richard. Sorry, Ron. That's what a lot of people don't do. They, they automatically go into a building and say, everything's paranormal, and we know it isn't. Yeah, most of it isn't. Only a very small yeah. percentage, in my opinion, is. But it is. There's something there. We know that. We're singing from the same hymn sheet. You know, what's interesting. You brought something earlier in the show, and I was going to bring it up then, but I didn't. Uh, but I will now, is that you always talk about uh, ghosts are there because they're not buried in a proper burial, right? Yep. Why? Let me ask you this. Why couldn't, for instance, let's take a look at the Moors. Why yeah. couldn't that ground be blessed so it would be uh, a Christian ground, so that if they were Christians and, and that's what they were looking for, wouldn't that put them to rest? Because now they are in a proper Christian mm -hmm. cemetery if that ground becomes consecrated. 
I see, I see, I see what you're meaning by that. That that is, yeah, I I love that as well. But I think it goes beyond that. I think it goes more to a personal point of view for families, um, such as as we say with um, Winnie Johnson and Keith Bennett, for instance, is that. Winnie actually wants to be able to bury her son. She wants to know where he is. She wants to know that, you know what, after all these years, he is back with his mother and he's safe. Um, and I think we do have to look at that. We have to look at this very personal, emotional side. But I love, I love the idea of it. I love being able to say, you know what, this is blessed land now. Everybody who's here now is safe. Everybody who's here is, is back where they belong. They're back to spirit now. Yeah, I know, it just seems like a simple solution. I but- like it. I like it a lot, Ron. The other problem you've got is that the area is so big and so vast that, you know, <laughs> would the priest have enough holy water to actually cover, to cover the whole area? It, it, it's a huge, huge area. And, and that, again, is, 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 a, is a problem um, that um, I, I don't think you could overcome by, by doing it like that. But you've got to remember that there are other reasons as well. It, OK, they didn't get closure. They didn't get a decent burial. But remember that they've also got unfinished business. You know, they were murdered and, well, well, in the case of, of Brady and Hindley, of course, they did find the murderers. But, you know, that's another thing you've got to remember. Some, some of them are still around because they've unfinished business. Nobody found the murderer. Nobody, you know, they, they were executed for a murder they didn't do, that sort of thing, which all causes, I believe, spirits to still be around. Do you agree, Barry? Yeah, yeah, very much so. It, it is. It's this unrest, isn't it, Richard, that causes that? Yes, yeah. Laid to rest, as I refer to it, over and over and over. You need a gravestone. You need your name on the gravestone. You need your family, you know, your loved ones around the gravestone, uh, around the grave, sorry, to, yeah. I think, to, to send you off on a Christian burial service or, or whatever denomination you happen to be. And, and in the olden days, that's what people believed. That's what they craved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what's interesting, too, is, is that uh, just because you do get a proper Christian uh, burial doesn't mean that you still won't come back as a ghost or a spirit. You still can haunt. I know this case, which is in, a, in our book, Ghost Chronicles. Uh, in fact, I think that's available on Amazon UK, too. But uh, one of the cases that we had, we, we went to this house that was supposedly haunted, and we made contact with the spirit of two little kids, uh, twins. And then we did a midnight trek through the woods where they actually followed them and found this abandoned cemetery, and we we copied the graves down and everything else and did the research on it, and we found out that the two spirits that we made contact were buried in that cemetery. Wow, I like it. So even, like, though, even though they were la- laid to rest, laid to rest. Oh, yeah. yeah, I still think they can come back anyway, because we all know that a spirit can come back sometimes, yeah. whatever, to give you a message or something. Of course it, of course it can. It come, it come, yeah, it comes back in visitation, doesn't it? Or it comes back in times of need. You know, if there's, if there's a family circumstance or there's something happening that the spirit doesn't like, um, then it will come back to visit. It will come back and say, no, just a minute, I'm not happy with that. Or to even give you a warning at times. We know that. We know that that's what spirits come around for. But I wouldn't class that as a haunting. Would no, not at all. No, it's a visitation. It's yeah. purely a visitation. It's not, you know, I always, excuse me, when I, when I look at some of these cases, you know, and people will say, oh, there's a spirit there, it's got to be rescued. No, it doesn't. No. We know that no. some spirits are very happy where they are. We know that every spirit has a choice. You know what? If they want to stay where they are, they're more than welcome to stay where they are. Well, and we also, we also know from that that, as I say, some spirit just come back for a specific reason. As soon as they've come back and given the message or passed the message on, 
off they go. They've moved on. They've gone back over to the other side where they where they uh, reside again. I know that, like when Maureen and I have gotten a lot of uh, flack over that because we we don't believe in interference. Uh, we don't believe that you should move every spirit on because maybe they're there for a reason. Maybe you know uh, we could actually screw things up. Uh, you know that's that's the thing. It, it's we we kind of like believe in this non-interference policy where uh, you know it's it's not our job to to move spirits. They may be here for a reason, and we certainly don't want to interfere in that reason. Yeah, and it's like I always say to people, Rob. You know, at any event or any location, I always say. You know, I'll say, don't worry, you won't take them home. They're happy where they are. This is their home. This is the place that they last know. And very often, you know, we'll get people sending an email saying, um, oh, when I got home from that event, I took a spirit home. No, you didn't. What you did, you took your own imagination home, and your imagination has <laughs> linked in yes. and actually said, I brought them with me. I mean, let's be honest, you know, why would somebody like Henry VIII or... I'm, I'm trying to think of an example. You know, somebody, right. you know, Elizabeth I, why would they really want to go back with somebody to their own home from some of the <laughs> grand palaces, etc.? And I do look at this very logically. You know, it's, it's, it's right, though, isn't it? Because why would they want to go with somebody? They've got nothing to prove. They've got nothing in common with anybody. Well, I, I have to, like, I'm going to have to interject something because... I, b I believe 100% what you're talking about if it's a particular spirit. But I do believe that spirits could go home with you if there was a particular reason. For instance, uh, if that person had made a connection with the spirit. In other words, that spirit's been there and wanted to be heard, and no one's heard him through the years or, or paid any attention to it, and then you finally have someone who has made a connection with it, then, yeah, there is the possibility that that spirit may go with you. But I'm not saying that happens, like, all the time, but I think there is a possibility. It's a bit like giving the phone number out. Yeah, it is. And I believe, I believe from a personal... Excuse me, I believe from a personal point of view that um, <clears throat> if, it's, if it's one of your close relatives, yes, you're taken back with you because they come with you. They linked in with you and they actually come to that location, that event. Um, in terms of, as I say, some of the great historic figures that we've right, got in the UK. No, not at all, because we've got nothing in common with the person. Right, But if, absolutely. if it's a personal spirit, yes, I agree with you. It's got to be it's, somebody's grandmother, grandfather, mum or dad, that sort of feeling. Right, I mean, e even Barry, I mean, you're a medium, so you, you, you must run into it. I'm sure you have when you go out in the, to a haunted place, and, and you find the spirit that... Uh, uh, is not associated with the property at all. It's what we call a street ghost. It's someone who has is, is just realized that someone is trying to make contact with the other side, so they, they pop in and they have something that they want to say. So, I mean, you do run into those spirits, I, I believe, don't you, Barry? Yeah, you do, yeah. And I always call them a rogue spirit. I always say they're a rogue because it's somebody, rogue, who's, just seen, yeah, it's, it's somebody who's just seen, you know, somebody trying to connect with the spirit world. You know what? They've found an energy and they've got in them very often. This has been proved when we're using, um, you know, any form of equipment, whether it be anything from a Ouija board, glass moving, table moving, psychic circles, where suddenly you feel this energy change and it, and it goes totally the opposite. It doesn't feel, um, it doesn't feel as, as happy anymore. It doesn't feel as welcoming anymore. And spirits, you know, look, I always look at it, Ron, but at the end of the day, you've got a big bus stop upstairs in the spirit world and whoever pushes the, pushes the hardest gets to the front first. That's what I always look at. That's funny. <laughs> I, I do like an analogy. 
<laughs> Let me just explain something that's slightly um, against what, what we're saying, um, that's and that's prisons. Um, sometimes the only way, and I actually say this at my place, Derby Jail, um, the only way that they can ever get release is by following you home. In, in other words, once those doors open at the end of an evening or something like that, there's a spirit in there and the doors are something. Remember, they probably still think they're still in prison. When the doors open, sometimes, sometimes they could possibly follow someone home. And I know an instance at a very, very fascinating jail that we did on, on Most Haunted called Bodmin Jail, where a guy actually came down and visited the man that owns it. And when he got home after visiting, there was someone sitting in his passenger seat. And his wife said, who, who have you just given a lift to? And he said, what do you mean? I haven't, I have nobody. She said, well, there was someone sitting in your passenger seat. And for three days, they, they believed that they had an unwanted visitor in their home. And in the end, the guy got in the car and drove all the way back to Bodmin Jail and reckons he actually took the spirit back home, back to the prison. <laughs> How's about that one? I like that. I love that. I absolutely love that. I really do. I, I loved it. It is, yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd love to see that. I'd love to see that myself and understand that because I'm, I know, I hear what you're saying, Richard. Do you know what? Yeah. In, in, in a position such as a jail, do you know what? Some of them are stuck there. They want to be released. They want to go. But, yeah. excuse me, I always look at it on another basis as well and say, well, just a minute, you know, we always talk of spirit having free will. We talk that if spirit wants to do something in the world, they're still a living soul. And, and as you know, Richard, I work with them with great respect. And it's, yes. you know, they are still a living person, whatever way you want to say that. I wouldn't, you know, yeah I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't turn around to them and be disrespectful. You know, what is the point? Because if that was me, and I look at it very logically, and I look and think, well, if that was me in the spirit world, and somebody was, you know, screaming and shouting at me, at the end of the day, I'd turn around and say, do you know what? Forget it. I haven't got time a day for you. Talk to me with respect and I'll come and talk to you or I'll come and give you Correct. information or work with you. And I'm 100% behind that. I'm 100% behind this professionalism as a medium. That's what we need to look at. Yeah, that's so, so true. And this yeah. is the thing that we need, respect. And this is what, you know, because I mean, I, I, as you know, conduct seances and last divination and we all of that. And one of the things I always say at the beginning of any session I do, we only come here in respect for you. Yeah, you were yeah. once a human being like we are, and, and we, we respect you. Yeah. And that's the only way to be, because, you know, if someone is disrespectful <coughs> to me, I wouldn't <clears throat> on the night. Yeah, you, you would, wouldn't you? You'd just totally ignore them. And this is what, sometimes I don't understand with a lot of the groups nowadays, in why they go over the top all the time, screaming, screaming and shouting and demanding of spirit. Because, as I say, we talk about spirit having this, this ability of, saying, you know what, we are living people still, we have this mind, we have the yes. knowledge, we are intelligent people, and we know they are because of the information that they give to us. You know, spirit yeah. are very, very precise. They don't just suddenly turn up and say, a load of gobbledygook and then disappear. What they'll come through and give you is precise dates, names, details, areas, locations, and they give you that. So we know there's that knowledge, and what I want to do is treat them with that respect. And... and like you say, Richard, at the beginning of any event, I always say to any guest, we treat them with respect. You know, we talk of spirit coming from the light or, you know, the, the, the bright side, whatever you want to talk about, because they're not the, the dark side. No, not at all. But then, <clears throat> but then we Correct. could argue the dark side, couldn't we, at times? Because what is the dark side? What do we class as being dark energies? Remembering that so much has been created by people, by people's minds, in terms right. of what is 
what is good and what is bad. And, and that's what I get confused about with people very often. You know, why is it that sometimes when you go into some locations with, with groups, everything's negative? It's always bad spirits. That's the only thing that they ever find is bad spirits. I've never found that. But that sells TV programmes, Barry. <laughs> that, gets, that gets viewers. <clears throat> it does. Yeah, it does. If, if you go in with their nicey-nicey attitude, people don't want to know. No, of course not, because we all want the scare factor, don't we, Ron? It's yeah. true. Absolutely. Hollywood, ghost books, Edgar Allan Poe, you know, it's all down to the scare factor, and we love to be scared. Absolutely. Well, let me ask Barry this question. You know, a lot of people, when you go on to a uh, radio show, they'll all ask you, oh, what was your scariest moment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I I'm going to ask you is, who is the most interesting spirit that you've come across? Oh, blimey. <laughs> um, oh, gosh, what would I have to say? I'm trying to think of some of the locations that I've worked. Um, I'd probably have to say, um, I'm going to stick with the Galleries of Justice because it's a place that really has touched me very deeply. And it's the one location that I have ever, ever run away from or run out of, let me say that. Because in the galleries, when you go underneath, you've got what is the old caves. Um, and it's never quite sure what they were actually used for or what they were there for. And I remember being in there once, Ron, um, after an event, I've gone down to collect all the equipment. And the only thing I remember hearing was this stone being thrown behind me. And then suddenly I heard this growl of a man. And it wasn't a growl in an animal. It was, it was the growl of a man. And I have never, ever, ever run out of a place so quickly in my life. Wow, that's, that, uh, that's going to be one of my places I have to visit. <laughs> 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 well, they are linked, aren't they, Richard? The Galleries of Justice and Derby Jail are linked to one another. Um, yeah, they, they've got, yeah, you know, we know that, 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 bodies, that people were sent backwards and forwards between the two. And that's yeah. what's great about it, is that we know that there's this double link there. And we have found before, I know I've, I've been to Derby Jail, and you do find the similar sort of spirits hover between the two at times. Mm. Yeah, I would agree with that. Absolutely. Mm. See, we're only 16 miles apart, Rob. Nottingham oh, and Derby. Wow. Um, and we've shared, you know, he was the same sheriff, because uh, the sheriff of Nottingham was also the sheriff of Derby at the same time. There you go. Well, so anyways, we've we actually run out of time, guys, so I want to thank oh. you so much. <laughs> Barry, you were awesome guest. We'll definitely have you on again. Uh, please keep us updated on what's going on with you. Uh, I know we didn't talk too much about it. Your, your website is www. Uh, BarryJohn.com and uh, Haunted Leaves. Quick, what's Haunted Leaves? Oh, blimey. Haunted Leaves was a program I did last year, um, and it was basically investigating lots of little locations in Haunted Leaves. Um, we're hoping to do more this year. Um, however, what I want to do this year is make it more national rather than just in one specific location. And it was something that we actually did for the public. Um, and they loved it. They really loved it because it was proper ghost hunting going in and actually properly investigating the location. Okay. Barry, thanks a lot. Richard, it's been awesome, as usual. Nice talking to you guys. Thanks and, again. And uh, don't forget, uh, if you're not doing anything tonight, come on down to the Paranormal Study Group at the uh, Circles of Wisdom. We have Mike Marquardt from East Bridgewater's Most Haunted, and we'll be doing EVDs that are to collect and analyze. So, good night. God bless everyone. Thanks Thank again. Bye-bye. Bye. From ghoulies to ghosties, long-legged beasties, and things that...
go bump in the night. Deliver us. I-